You're listening to episode 79 of the High on Life podcast. How do you get out of a rut when you're down? This is part of my series, Your Questions Answered. Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Hello, my friends. I am back for another episode. And today we're talking about how to get out of a rut when you're down. And this was a question provided by a listener. She specifically said in the context of depression and anxiety and maybe like a lack of motivation to get better. And I wanted to talk about this kind of in a general sense. I'm going to just share personally what I do when I get into a rut. This is not specific mental health advice. And so there may be times where if you have a clinical diagnosis of depression and anxiety that you may need to seek treatment from a psychologist or even a a physician or psychiatrist. But I'm just going to share some tips that have helped me when I've been in a rut and what I've been able to do. And hopefully you can take some of these and take what works for you and leave the rest. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's jump in. The very first thing that I find really beneficial, and I know it sounds cliche, but I want to kind of give you a little bit of the background behind it and why it's helpful is physical activity. And when I say physical activity, I don't just mean going for a walk. I mean like really intense exertion. I will give you an example of when this happened to me recently. So a few months back, my admin, whom I adored, and she was like kind of my office manager, had been a previous client of ours. And she's really open about that. Her name's Tanya. I know she listens to this episode and I still love her. Monday morning called me and gave notice that she had found another position that was just more geared to her skill set and she was no longer going to be working for my company. And for some reason, I've had I've had some staff come and go. I've had to let some people go. But for some reason, her resignation really hit me so hard. And my brain made it mean a lot of things. My brain made it mean like my whole team was going to leave me. Like I had all these like really anxious thoughts from it. But I had this like intense, crazy intense, and I remember it. It was Monday. Anxiety come over me like this super high energy emotion. My heart was racing. I just felt like my nervous system was really dysregulated. And I couldn't get any work done. Was super down about it. Made it mean all this stuff. And I was talking to my best friend who is a psychiatrist and she was telling me, she was kind of coaching me through it. But one of the things that she said, and this might've been in another conversation, might not have been this one, but she's taught me so much, was that anxiety and excitement feel like the same thing, but it's actually the interpretation by your brain that makes it different. So one, the sensations in your body of anxiety and excitement are you know, that your heart rate increases, that you feel some butterflies in your stomach, maybe you're like starting to sweat. Your body is, in, is like readying itself for action, but in one context, the brain's interpretation is that something bad is going to happen. And in the other context, you're like anticipating something really good, right? So you have different interpretations, different feelings as a result of the physical sensations. 
And I remember I had, it was like I had this pent up energy. And I wonder if you have ever experienced that where you're like, you're so anxious. There's so much dysregulation in your nervous system. You're on, there's like so much sympathetic activation that like you can't bring it down. Like as I'm talking about it, I can actually connect with those sensations in my body again. And I had to get outside because I wasn't, I wasn't productive anyway. I couldn't get work done. My brain was like racing all over the place. So I went outside and I was like, I'll just go for a walk. But I put my running shoes on and it was like, I couldn't just walk. My body needed to run. And I started doing sprints. Like my body just needed, it had all this energy that I had to get out and it had to do sprints. Like I, I, I ran so hard until I couldn't run and then I would walk. And I just repeated that. I just did like sprints over and over again. And it was such a great release for all this energy that was driven from this anxiety that my amazing admin was leaving. And later on, we had a team training session with a psychologist and she was explaining kind of, she was talking us through some nervous system work. And she explained something and I was like, that's it. That makes so much sense to me. So this is what I want to share with you. She was talking about how animals, when they when they're out in the wild, they have so much opportunity for stress, right? Like imagine an animal getting chased by a predator, how stressful that situation is. But animals don't get PTSD. Why do they not? Well, wild animals naturally, after a chase and they have all of this adrenaline and cortisol built up in their bodies, they often will shiver or shake. They allow their body to tremor. And it's the movement that causes a release, like an instinctive release of the adrenaline and the cortisol. And then they can just carry on and go on with their life. So it's this, they have this ability to release the stress by physical exertion, right? Or it's the physical exertion of like running, like they have this high stress and then they run and they get the stress out of their body. They have the running, they have the involuntary movement of the tremoring or the shivering, the shaking. And they also have like a place in their herd. So they have belonging, they have connection. And if you think about how different that is from human beings and how domesticated, we are kind of domesticated to repress movement, right? To sit still in class, like don't move your body, don't be jittery, just sit still. And our emotions as well, right? So don't feel the emotions, stuff them down, suppress them. We also live in isolation. So we don't get that sense of community and finding rest amongst our herd. And Anyway, as she was, as this psychologist was explaining all of this, I connected back to that day that I was feeling so much anxiety and I needed to get out and I needed to let the stress and the adrenaline and the cortisol out of my body by intense physical exertion. So I thought that was really powerful. And it was really interesting to me to figure out like, oh, that makes so much sense. We are made to move and yet we are taught to sit still right? And how that's actually really not beneficial for us. And so there is a lot of benefit of like letting it out, doing the thing that your body really feels like it needs to do. So if you're feeling in a rut or you're feeling high anxiety, you're feeling like this pent up energy, you need to get that energy out. Actually like touch base with your body and get that energy out. And one of those ways is through intense physical activity, Whatever that looks like for you, it could be dancing for you. I'm not a dancer. I'm a terrible dancer. It's one of the things I'm so bad at. It could be like for me, it was like running. It could be swimming. It could be jumping up and down on the spot. I think about my five-year-old and how he often has like so much pent-up energy that he cannot stand still. Like he'll just be jumping up and down like on the spot in a row. And I think about my mothering and how so often I'm like, 
sit still, like sit down and how wrong that is, right? Because I don't want to teach him and domesticate him to repress that energy. So learning how to mother boys, by the way, is an interesting thing. So number one of what I do when I'm in a rut and really feeling down is the physical activity. And just to round out that story, because I know Tanya listens, it was really interesting because one of the other strategies that my friend, my best friend told me that day, she's like, I know you're really struggling with this right now, but I want you to trust this process and like trust what God has in it for you and trust that six months down the road, this is going to be better for you. And it's so hard in the moment when you're going through like something really difficult, something where your brain maybe is catastrophizing it, even making an event seem really negative to be able to do that. And that was my work too, is as I was running, I was also praying and just being able to trust like, how is this going to turn out for my good and for Tanya's good as well? And I can say like the most amazing thing is now, this is six months ago, it was such a good decision for her and everything is great for me. And so it's always nice to look back, right? And see that sometimes we magnify things and make them really bad. And in hindsight, you can see that if you can get yourself in a position of believing everything is going to happen for your good, how can that change your mindset and your perspective moving forward? So (laughs) that's a lot of tangential discussion, but physical activity, physical exertion to get that cortisol, that adrenaline out of your body. The second thing I do is I give myself one day to wallow. If I am going through a really hard time, and this can be so many things, this could be relationship difficulties, right? Like I have a wonderful husband and a wonderful marriage, but we're not immune. Of course, we have relationship difficulties too. Everyone does. There's no perfect marriage. And so sometimes it's like stressors in our marriage or something. Sometimes it's stress around running this business. Sometimes it's, I feel like a terrible mother, right? Like there's so many different things that can get you into a rut. I give myself, if I need it, one day to wallow. And in that day, I will not judge myself for, what's the worst thing that I do? I'm trying to think. The worst thing I do is probably watch terrible Netflix. Like I've shared before, I'm not a TV watcher. We don't actually have a TV in our house. So, and I'm not a Netflix watcher. Like I just don't, I don't consume a lot of like watching stuff. Try not to anyway. But when I'm wallowing, that is one of the things that I'll do because I just want like my brain to veg out. And so I'll watch really terrible Netflix. So the last time I was wallowing, I watched Never Have I Ever. (laughs) Terrible TV, right? But I only give myself one day. And then the next day I'll pick myself up and I'll just make a decision that I am going to continue taking those actions that matter to me. So I give myself one day and then I decide. And it's not going to go beyond that. The third thing I do and I recommend is getting outside. There's so much evidence around like these simple things that we can improve, that, that we can do to improve mental health, that we can do to improve emotional well-being, like getting outside and getting sun exposure. It's so simple. It's absolutely free. You don't have to go to see a doctor for it. You don't have to pay a pharmaceutical company for it. It's 100% free. And how often do we not do these simple things, right? So sun exposure increases serotonin, which has been demonstrated to improve mood and your sense of like calm and focus. There's also thought that it can help with regulating emotions and appetite and digestion. And it's also the best source of vitamin D, which has all of these other benefits. So just going outside does so much good, but it has to be a decision to do the simple things, right? And I think that's like such a fascinating thing for me when I look at human behavior is that we often will just not do the simple things like going outside. And sometimes it's just easier to reach for a substance. The fourth thing that I will do is I'll give myself a little win. So I thrive off a sense of accomplishment. 
And I think this is true for many people. Accomplishment gives you that bit of dopamine. So I will find a small task that I can win at. And it has to be a really small task. So I'll give you an example. I might clean out my makeup drawer, right? Like really contained. I'm not cleaning out my whole bathroom, just my makeup drawer. Might clean that out, vacuum up like the the blush dust that has (laughs) dropped in there. Or one thing I love to do is purge my closet and bring all my old clothes to Salvation Army. Like little contained, measurable tasks that you can mark done on and give yourself a sense of accomplishment. And it has to be something that's completely unrelated to your area of struggle. So like if you're feeling in a rut with regard to weight loss, don't make it something that you're like trying to do to make the scale move. Or if it's to do with your career, do something completely unrelated. And cleaning and organizing is often very good for your brain because reducing clutter also kind of brings some calm to your brain. So that can be a really like simple little trick to get yourself out of a rut. Number five is I will plan something special for myself. So a recent thing that my husband did for me, which actually wasn't me planning it, but for my birthday, he took me to Thermia Spa out in Whitby and we went there for the entire day. And I had forgotten how much I need silence and solitude and reflection to refuel. I am 100% an introvert. I do not gain energy off of people or crowds. I gain energy off of silence and being by myself and praying. (laughs) And going to Thermia Spa, it was like such a gift for the whole day. We had so much time to just have quiet reflection. Of course, we talked, but it was a day of like quieting my mind. And I will often do something like that where I get away by myself because I know as an introvert, that's what I need when I'm in a rut. I need time to quiet my mind, to be on my own. Or the other thing I will do is connect with a very close friend. So I might plan an evening with a girlfriend or call call one of my very close friends on the phone. Again, it's about like the depth of relationship and being able to share heart matters as opposed to like going out and partying with 10 people. <laughs> so think about what that looks like for you to plan something special for yourself where you get that social connection or you get something that refuels your soul. The sixth and seventh are connected. I always journal and pray. And the journaling for me, you know what it accomplishes is when I write down what's bothering me and I see it reflected back on paper. The thing that becomes apparent is I can always spot the lies that I'm believing that are making my situation worse. So if you're going through a hard time and you actually write down why you're going through the hard time on paper, usually looking back over it, you can be like, I see how that's not really true, right? And it can bring you back, at least it does for me, it brings me back to a place of like gratitude. If I am struggling with either something in my business, something in one of my relationships, Like if I journal and let's give the example of like me complaining to myself about my husband, I can always see how I'm like totally blowing things out of proportion, totally making stuff up that isn't true. And I usually come back to, and I'm so grateful for him because of this and this. And he's so wonderful in this way, right? So like you get the gunk that your brain kind of throws around where it's all a big blur and you get really caught up emotionally in these lies that you're believing. When you get it out on paper and you're reading it back to yourself, There's something that's really powerful about that where you can see the truth and it usually can bring you back to being a little bit more grounded, being coming back to a place of gratitude, things, seeing things a little bit more objectively and maybe in more of a truthful light. And then for me, I tie that to praying and really connecting with God. I think that 
the reality. I just believe this to be true that we are spiritual beings. Whether you consider yourself religious or not religious doesn't really matter. We are spiritual beings living in a human body. We have spirits, we have souls. And so much of the time, we're just like repressing that side or we're not tapped into that side. And I think that actually drives a lot of anxiety and depression because we become, instead of beings like human beings, we become human doings. And our whole life is about like doing and busyness and accomplishment and like one upping our neighbor and just coming back to connecting and being really centered in your spirit has so much power. And I do that through prayer. You might call it meditation. You might call it mindfulness. There's so many different names for it, right? But really it just comes back to an ability to like quiet your mind, observe your thoughts and be present with yourself, right? And quieting things and maybe being present with God if that's something you believe in. So those are some ways that I get out of a rut, intense physical exertion, giving myself one day to wallow and then making a decision to not continue that, going outside and doing the simple things, giving myself a little win, planning a special treat or connection, journaling and praying. I know these seem so simple, but there are, there, there are strategies, right, that can be really helpful for us that don't cost a lot of money. None, none of this costs money. And we just have to make the choice to do them. And sometimes it is, that's what it comes down to, right, is I think this person in their question said, when you don't have motivation to get better, you don't need the motivation, but you do need to make a choice. Right? You don't have to feel motivated, but you have to make a choice to just take a step. And so hopefully if you make the step really easy and very doable, that lowers the bar in terms of how big of a step you have to take. All right, I will talk to you again next week. Have a wonderful week. Be sure to honor your body today and every day. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.